invite you to be back with us every opportunity that you have. Very glad that you're here. And, and uh, we want to study for a little while this morning a, a case of a conversion in the book of Acts chapter 10. It's contained in verse Acts 10 and 11, those chapters about the conversion. And as far as this conversion is concerned, the, uh, now we're on, <laughs> all right. So as far as this conversion is concerned, we've mentioned several throughout the book of Acts throughout this month, and we want to continue that. And we've kind of uh, set apart different things that are different about each and every one of those conversion examples in the book of Acts as different men have covered those throughout the month. And this is probably arguably the most unique of any of the conversion examples in the book of Acts is this case of Cornelius. And it's very important part of the history of Christianity, very important to us in that. It, up to this time, the gospel has been preached only to the Jews and not to the Gentile people. Uh, this was God's plan from the beginning that uh, his chosen people would um, have opportunity to hear the gospel. He was preparing them for centuries for the coming of the Messiah that was coming. He wanted them to accept him and understand and, and know all these things. And, but the gospel was planned for all people in all nations. Uh, the Old Testament prophets talked about the inclusion of the Gentiles into the kingdom of God um, way back in, in the Old Testament even. Uh, Paul uses an example in Romans chapter 9 of, in verses 24 through 26 as he talks about uh, the book of Hosea mentioning that. In those verses, it says, Even us whom he hath called, not of the Jews only, but also of the Gentiles. Hath he not also said in Hosea, I will call them my people, which are not my people, and her beloved, which was not beloved? And it shall come to pass that in the place where it was said unto them, Ye are not my people, there they shall be called the children of the living God. Jesus clearly taught when he was here on earth that the, the gospel was for the good news was for the Jews as well as the Gentiles, for all mankind. He was often criticized for his uh, interaction with uh, people uh, such as a Samaritan woman. You remember that uh, event as his apostles saw him talking to this woman and didn't really understand why he would be having this conversation with her or talking to her. He was often ostracized or uh, criticized because he received sinners and he ate with them. So there's several different occasions that we see that Jesus was reaching out and, and friendly uh, into those that were not of uh, the Jewish nation, and he was criticized for that. The Great Commission is another example how he sent his apostles, and he tells us, too, that we should baptize all creatures, bring the gospel to all creatures of every nation, of every kind. Uh, just a few days before his ascension into heaven, he told his apostles to go into Jerusalem and to stay there and, and that they would carry his message to the uttermost parts of the world, to foreign uh, people, to others. And God is now ready to reveal his plan. And he does that through Cornelius, that the gospel would be given to the Gentile people and that would be carried out to all these, every nation to the uttermost part of the world. And this conversion example that we talk about and study this morning is the mode or method in which he, he does that. So it's very important that we understand and, and notice some things about the, the lesson this morning. Also, we see in the book of Acts, uh, following Acts chapter 10, how that Paul was given 
the commission to go and bring the gospel to the Gentiles, and he was allowed to travel across Europe after this event took place, that uh, now it's been opened to, to the Gentile people. But up to this point, into Acts chapter 10, the Gentile people, uh, no uncircumcised Gentiles have been allowed or admitted into the kingdom. So this is very unique and very special. They've been uh, not admitted into the church. But Luke now writes to us and gives witness and tells us uh, that the kingdom is now going to be open unto them. So is this story uh, so unique that uh, it's different for Cornelius and his family and the way that they were saved? And, and that's one thing we want to think about and look at this morning is, was it different for them since this is such a special occasion and such a unique example, so much different maybe than some of the other examples that we've studied in the book of Acts? So we want to notice how and when was Cornelius and his household saved. Was that different for him than it was for the Jewish people or for others? And that's one thing we want to look at and remember and study this morning. I guess I'm froze up. (laughs) Having all kinds of technical difficulties this morning. Let me try again. In Acts chapter 10 and 11, we've got this example of Cornelius and his conversion and the example that we want to study so closely this morning. The first thing we notice in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, there the Scripture says, There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, a centurion of the band called the Italian band, a devout man and one that feared God with all his house, which gave alms to the people and prayed to God always. So there's a lot of things that we notice right here in the first couple of of verses here in in the book of Acts chapter 10, or chapter of Acts chapter 10. We notice that he is a centurion. A centurion is simply a commander or a a captain of the Roman army that's over a hundred men. So he's over a hundred men. He's in a place of leadership, a place of authority, a place of example. And we also notice that he is a devout man. One that is devout. Right? So what does that word mean? He's pious. He's godly. He's religious. He's a good guy. He's a good fellow. In Romans, Acts chapter 10 and verse number 22, it says that he had a good report among all the nation of the Jews. And I want you to think about for just for a minute what a statement that is. He had a good report among the Jews. The Jews hated the Romans. They hated all people that weren't of the, of the Jewish nation. This is a, a, a very special and a very unique thing about this individual, how he had a good report among even the Jews. So he was a good guy. He feared God. He was reverent to him. He, it says he feared God and all his household. He taught his family to fear God. It was important to him. I remember, you're reminded of the book of Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's the way he, he ran his household. He gave alms. He was compassionate. He was merciful, which is not common of a Roman officer in the army. They're masters of torture and and, uh, murder and things like that. But he wasn't that way. He gave alms. He was a a very uh, godly man. He did good deeds. He gave his money to individuals that were in need, that that had uh, difficulty and problems. And he prayed to God always. He petitioned to God. He repetitively talked to him. 
and believed in him continuously. Well, one thing we notice is that Cornelius wasn't saved just because he was a good man. If, any, if we were saved by being good, this guy had it going on. He had it made because he was a good, devout, religious, and godly man. In Isaiah chapter 64 and verse number 6, the Bible talks about our righteousness that we might have in our life. Any little form or any little speck of righteousness that I might have in, in my heart or in my life, it's just like a filthy rag in the sight of God because my iniquity, my sin, has separated me from God. And so just being a good person, good godly person, won't necessarily get us to heaven, will it? Jason talked to last week in his lesson about the good old boy. And Cornelius was a good old boy. He was a good guy. We've talked about these things already this morning. Jesus taught this parable in Luke chapter 18 about people who thought they were pretty good old guys. He said, and he spake this parable in a certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one the Pharisee, the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, saying, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in a week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and the publican standing afar off would not so much as lift his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. This man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted." So we have these two men. One thinks he's very religious, very righteous, and he exalts himself. And he's not the one that goes to his house justified, made right in the sight of God. God says anyone that raises himself up and doesn't humble themselves, they're just going to be brought low. But this man that brought himself low and said, I'm not even merciful, I don't deserve your mercy, Lord, but he received the mercy of God. We have another uh, story in that same uh, text, or in, in that same chapter, in Luke chapter 18, about um, a ruler that came to Jesus and asked him what he needed to do. He said, good master, what must I do to be saved? And if you'll remember the first part of that story, the verse just immediately following that, Jesus says, why callest thou me good? There's only one that's good, and that's God. And I think he's doing uh, pointing, pointing that out because this guy thinks, well, hey, if I do enough good deeds, I'm going to be saved. So what good things must I do that I might obtain or inherit or earn my salvation? And he goes on to tell him, hey, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> he said, keep the commandments. He said, I've done these things since I was a kid. He said, well, you just lack one thing. Go and sell all that you have and give it to the poor. He was a rich man, didn't want to give it up, and he walked away sorrowful. So he walked away not believing and not living it. I want to point out, too, also in Acts chapter 11, verse number 14, our last last slide that one thing about Cornelius even though he was a good guy was he saved in that condition well it does not by according to the text or context who shall tell by these words whereby thou and thy house shalt be saved he's not saved yet that's something that's going to happen in the future so obviously he is not saved by his goodness he, there's nothing you can do and good enough that you can be to be saved and earn your own salvation Another thing that we want to notice this morning is Cornelius had a vision, and he spoke with an angel. And certainly that's a miraculous, that's a big event, that's a, that's a life-changing, life-altering event. It says in Acts chapter 10, in verse number 3 through 6 there, that he saw in a vision an angel of God 
And he was afraid. And he said, hey, we remember you. God remembers you. This has come up for a memorial. And you send for Peter, and he's going to tell you what you need to do to be saved. So this is the message that, that the angel brings from God to Cornelius and his household of what he must do. He gave him specific instructions to send for Peter, and he would tell him exactly what he must do. And just having this vision and seeing an angel did not save him. More, more was needed than just the presence of an angel or this vision in his life that he might have, have salvation. We have another example in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 7, of an angel, uh, having an angel of God appear to you and give you a message might lead you to believe that Cornelius was saved. But he did not obtain salvation through this event. The event in Paul's life in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 6 through 7, he said uh, that he, would, he was kind of tempted to glory or boast in this vision that he had as he was caught up into the third heaven. He said, But I shall not be a fool, for I say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above what thou seest me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should, see, I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. So this thorn in the flesh was given to him so he wouldn't exalt himself, think of himself more highly than he should, or others wouldn't think of himself because of the abundance of the revelations, the visions, and things that he had. So there's no reason uh, that, that that saved him. He was giving him uh, uh, this messenger of Satan to buffet him, to humble him. In his weakness, he was made strong. Mary and Joseph also had uh, a vision of an angel, or an angel came to them. And certainly this is a miraculous, and this is a big, big deal. This is a big event. You know, a lot of people uh, magnify and glorify uh, Mary. Uh, denominations, some denominations do because of this event that happened. And the angel came to her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth, and shall, uh, bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. On multiple occasions, an angel appeared to, in a dream or a vision also to Joseph and said, Hey, get your family out of here. Flee to Egypt. He appeared to him again, told him when to come back home. So yeah, it's a big deal. It's a big event. Uh, but that wasn't what saved Cornelius. Even though he had seen an angel, even though he had seen a vision, that wasn't a way that he was saved. Salvation came to him. Also, Cornelius received an apostle into his house. You remember he was called and said, go find Simon and have him come to your house, and he's going to tell you what, you what you need to do to be saved. Well, as this event is coming, coming down, Peter came into his house. And on that particular event, Cornelius even fell down at his feet. And he said, hey, I'm just a guy, I'm just a man, just like you are. Rise up and worship the Lord only. And he told him uh, what he was going to do. But having Peter come into his house didn't save him. Was it a big deal to be in the presence of an apostle? Well, sure it was. Especially at this time. You think of this, uh, this time, point in time when the church is growing and all the miracles that are going on. Um, throughout the, the, the region, you know, just having Peter in your presence, he could lay his hand on people and heal you of your sickness, of your infirmity. 
And he could pass that gift on to you that you might be able to do that to other people as well. But this was not the mode by which Cornelius or other people were saved from their sins. They might be saved from their leprosy or something like that, but not from their sins. There was a very specific purpose for this miraculous power and this miraculous time and miraculous age. This miraculous ability was given to the apostles, and, and certainly that was a big deal. It was designed for a specific length of time to accomplish the task of, of spreading the Word of God for its unique purpose, and this time of miracles would pass away. It would pass on, as described in 1 Corinthians chapter 13. There's a time that that would come to an end. But in this special miraculous age, certainly it was a big deal to be in the presence of an apostle. You know, the church was growing by leaps and bounds. You, know, you notice here in this version, in Acts chapter 5, verses 12 through 16, And by the hands of the apostles were many signs and wonders wrought among the people, and they were all with one accord in Solomon's porch, and the rest there is no man himself uh, to them, but the people magnified them. And the believers were more added to the Lord, multitudes both of men and women, insomuch they brought forth the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and couches, that at the least of the shadow of Peter passing by might overshadow some of them. There came also a multitude out of the cities round about unto Jerusalem, bringing sick folks unto them which were vexed with unclean spirits, and they were healed every one. What is a big deal to be in the presence of an apostle? Well, sure it was. It sure was especially at this time in this special miraculous age and how that they were healing people and all the unclean spirits were being uh, cast out and the things that were going on around them. Cornelius also heard the word of the Lord and he believed. He heard the word of the Lord and believed. In Acts chapter 10, verses 30 through 33, and Cornelius is recounting these events as Peter comes into his house and Peter doesn't really understand the, the vision that he's just seen of the sheet coming down with all these animals that are in it, these unclean animals. Remember how the, uh, he was in a trance or in a dream, and he sees the sheet come down with all these unclean animals and beasts, and he says, Rise, kill and eat. And Peter said, Not so, Lord, for I've never anything entered into my mouth that was uncommon or unclean. And he said, What the Lord has cleansed, don't call common or don't call unclean. He didn't really recognize or understand what the vision meant until he came, comes to Cornelius' house. And Cornelius tells him, hey, four days ago I was fasting about the ninth hour, and I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing and said, Cornelius, thy prayer is heard, and thine alms have been in remembrance in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call hither Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodged in the house of one Simon a Tanner by the seaside, who when he cometh shall speak unto thee. Immediately therefore I will send unto, him, send unto thee, and thou hast done well that thou art come. Now, therefore, we are all present before God to hear all things that are commanded thee of God. They're very eager and ready to hear that message. He's been waiting four days since he's seen this vision of the angel, and he is very ready to hear Peter's message from God and what he must do. Cornelius couldn't wait to hear that and received it with joy and with gladness. But was he saved just because he believed in God or he heard this message? Is he saved at this point? Peter was sent to tell him what he must do to be saved. And he starts preaching this message to him and to the, all that are present and all that are listening. Cornelius previously had faith in God. He was one that prayed. He was a good man. He believed in God. And clearly by his faith alone was not saving him. Hearing 
in receiving this message. Simply hearing the gospel and believing the message did not save Cornelius. We must be hearers and doers of the word, hearers of the commandments. James chapter 1 talks about this, about receiving the word of God with meekness, being doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving our own selves. You know, you can travel just within a few miles of our building. I don't know how many churches that there are within two miles radius of this building. There's several. And you can go to almost any one of those, and they're going to tell you all you need to do is hear and believe. That you need to believe the Word of God. Have faith in God. That's all you need to do. James chapter 2 talks about the devils even believing in God. It's more than just believing there's a God out there somewhere. Faith without works is dead. We must be a hearer and a doer of the Word, not just hearing that message only. And simply hearing the message of God does not, uh, and hearing and believing in God does not save us, just like it did not save Cornelius in his household. There's more to it. There's more that must be done. He's continuing to deliver this message. There's action required, and we must do what the Word of the Lord tells us and not be deceived in thinking, hey, I, I believe. I'm good enough. I'm a good old boy. I've got it made. Another thing that happens to Cornelius and his household is that they receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. In Acts chapter 10, verses 44 through 46, it said, While Peter yet spoke these words, the Holy Ghost fell on them, that, uh, them which heard the word. And they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also he poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. And they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Many people would say that at this point, Cornelius and his household were saved because they received the Holy Spirit. And it couldn't, couldn't be any other way. The Spirit couldn't have moved them to speak in tongues if they weren't already saved at this point. The Bible teaches that speaking in tongues were for a sign, for a sign to them that don't believe, a sign to the unbelievers. In this case and in this context, it was the Jews that didn't believe. They didn't believe that salvation was made readily available for the Gentiles. So this miracle took place that they might understand and they might believe that Gentiles, hey, yeah, they are going to be allowed into the kingdom. So let's talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit baptism and what that means. Um, in Acts chapter 2 is the only previous time we've ever studied or learned about this, this event that took place. In Acts chapter 1, uh, Jesus tells his apostles to go into Jerusalem and to remain there until the Holy Spirit shall come upon them. I'm going to baptize you with Holy Spirit and fire, he says. Remain there until this happens. You remember in Acts chapter 2 how they were all gathered in one accord in one place, and there came a, a huge noise like the, a mighty rushing wind in the room where they sat, and they were all given this ability to speak in tongues. And then they went out and they preached the gospel that day, the opening of the kingdom. Peter was given the keys to the kingdom of heaven and how that the kingdom was opened up uh, on that day, the first gospel sermon. You might have heard that expression before. And how that the church begins. And how they, all these people from, that have traveled to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost had heard the word of God in their own uh, native language, and then they were able to, to take that message back to their homeland. And 3,000 people were, were added to the church on that day. Well, now it's happening in Acts chapter 10 and how that Holy Spirit comes upon Cornelius and his family. Another opening of the kingdom. Opening to who? Open to the Gentiles. And now they spoke in tongues. And now the Gentiles are going to be allowed into the kingdom. 
So Holy Spirit baptism, only two occasions that we know of in the Scriptures that are described in the Scriptures uh, regarding that event. And it's noteworthy, as we've already uh, vaguely mentioned, that God selected Peter for this purpose. You remember in, in Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 19, how that they were gathered together, Jesus and his apostles there at Caesarea Philippi, same place. And he says, who are, who are men saying that I am? And they said, well, Lord, some people say you're, you're John the Baptist or Elias or you know, Isaiah, one of the other prophets. He said, well, who do you say that I am? And you remember what Peter said? He said, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And he said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood is not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And he said, I'm going to give to you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. So he was given those keys, and he opened the kingdom to, uh, as the church began in Acts chapter 2, as his apostles did that. And he also opened it again to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, the keys to the kingdom as it was given. But just because Cornelius and his household uh, spoke in tongues, did that save them? Were they saved at that point? A lot of people would think that it would because they were able to have this ability. But he goes on to tell them something else that they must do. Cornelius and his house were baptized. In Acts chapter 10, verses 47 through 48, the Jews are kind of astonished and say, Man, the Holy Ghost came on them just like us. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. And then they said, hey, stay here with us for many days. or Continue with us. Come on into the house and stay here. So one might think, wasn't Cornelius already saved by this point? Is this a special and unique circumstance? Why does he need to be baptized, Cornelius? Cornelius was not saved until he was baptized. That's what Peter told him exactly what he needed to do. Though it's a unique and different conversion example that we can look at and see, it wasn't different in the way that he told them to obey the gospel, what they must do to be saved. It was just like every other conversion example that we've studied this month. They had to believe, repent, confess, obey, and be baptized before they could be saved. It wasn't unique, a unique situation for him and his family. They had to do just what everyone else had to do to enter into the kingdom of God. Saying Cornelius was not saved until he was baptized is consistent with the immediate context that we're reading here. It is consistent with the remote context throughout the New Testament, throughout the Scriptures, and including all these conversion examples we've talked about this month. And just as they were commanded in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38 to repent and be baptized that they might be saved, that they might receive the Holy Spirit, Cornelius in his household had to do that too, as do we. There's many things that the Scriptures talk about in the Scriptures uh, about the purpose of baptism, what it does for us, and these are not all the things that are mentioned in the Scriptures. But it talks about, we've already mentioned the Great uh, Commission about making disciples is one thing that baptism does. It is for salvation. We've talked about that this month. It washes away sin. We're saved by the gospel. The old sinful man is, is put to death in the burial of baptism in water, and we raise to walk in newness of life. We put off our sin in our life. We put on Christ when we uh, obey the gospel. Baptism is a command of God. It is clearly described in the Scriptures as necessary for salvation, these things we've talked about this morning. And it is through the, it is the process through which we are cleansed 
through we come into contact with the blood of Christ, which is the only thing that could take away sins. And I hope that as we've studied this morning, you see the importance of the, uh, the gospel and throughout this month, the conversion examples that we use. And we talked about how God gave them the light gift as he did unto us. Peter, as he goes on in the next chapter, he's talking to a different group of Jews. And they said, what are you doing? going into the Gentiles. Why did you go into this guy's house? And he recalls the events to these people. And he said, God gave them the gift as he did unto us. He, the Holy Spirit came upon them. Who am I that I could deny them a baptism? And they said, well, hey, when they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, then hath God also uh, granted repentance unto life to the Gentiles. How important this is, as we look at this example, as we look at this conversion example today in the book of Acts and Cornelius and his house, it is unique. It is different. But he didn't change the message for Cornelius and his household. They still needed to do everything that you need to do to be saved. If you've been putting off baptism in your life, if you've, been, if you've heard the Word of God, you've heard the message, you've believed, that's not where it ends. That's just the foundation. That's just the beginning. Faith is the foundation. You have to have that before you can go on to the next step. But we're also called to confess and repent and be baptized and do these things. And if we're not, we're not saved. We're deceiving ourselves as we read earlier. So if you've been putting that off and considering baptism, we want to encourage you to do that today. Take care of it now, today, while you have opportunity, while you have chance. If there's anything that the church can do for you, please come forward as we stand and sing together.